0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Kathy. Tobin. We are recording this on Tuesday, June 17th. And what a couple of days it has been.
1: It it truly has. Where do we even start?
0: Well, I mean, at least this time what we're talking about is like good stuff. (laughs)
1: Yes, finally. Yeah,
0: so... So over the weekend, you went to the rally.
1: Yes, I was at Brooklyn Liberation, which was a rally and march for Black trans lives. It took place in Brooklyn where I live, and I went with my girlfriend. Sound designer Jeremy was there too, but I didn't see him because it turns out there were over 15,000 people there, all wearing white and all wearing masks. There were amazing speakers, and the family of Lailene Polanco was there, Beilin was a trans woman who died in solitary confinement at Rikers Island last June after prison guards refused to offer her needed medical assistance. And it was just so important to see so many people showing up for Black trans folks because once again, Black trans lives matter.
0: The footage looked so incredible. I was so sad to not be in Brooklyn mm-hmm. with all of you. Um, but then, of course, the next day, we woke up to the news that one of the Supreme Court decisions was very exciting. Uh, they voted 6-3 that Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act does protect LGBTQ folks from discrimination in the workplace.
1: We won. We finally win something. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think most people thought it wasn't going to go down like that, um, but truly incredible that it did. Obviously, this doesn't mean that workplace discrimination is, like, magically over. No, uh, no, But it's probably the biggest step in our lifetime towards true equality for LGBTQ folks in this country. It's a big deal. Huge.
1: Should we scream about how big of a deal this is? Big deal! <laughs> huge!
0: Huge deal! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, before we get started today, we just wanted to jump in and acknowledge what a week it has been, and just to sort of, like, revel in having some nice news for a bit.
1: Yeah, well, you want to sit for a few seconds and just, like, smile at each other?
0: Sure, let's do that. That's weird. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, maybe we should start the show. From WNYC Studios, you're listening to Nancy.
2: With your host, Tobin Lowe and Kathy
1: too. All right, to kick things off, let's bring in our lovely producer, Parker. Hey, Parker. Hey, Parker. Hey, guys.
0: So, Parker, uh, you have been telling me and Kathy about this movie for like as long as we've known you, for the longest time.
2: Green Book. (laughs)
0: Not Green Book.
2: No. Shakedown?
0: Yes, Shakedown.
2: (laughs) What is Shakedown? Tell us more. So Shakedown is this experimental documentary about a Black lesbian strip club in Los Angeles that I first came across a couple years ago at an art gallery in Harlem when a friend and I were trying not to get stuck in the rain. And so we ran into this gallery and we went up a flight of stairs, and in this dark room was the documentary playing on a continuous loop. And we immediately were entranced.
3: Listen up. If y'all standing in the front and you ain't got no money, please go back
2: there. All y'all right here, I need money. If y'all don't have hey, then y'all need to move back, boo. And it was just fascinating because it was like these ladies doing some fairly unsanitary things with money. Money, money, money. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, you think you know, but you don't know. (laughs) Anyway, Shakedown, the club night, started in 1996. And it happened every Friday for eight years, where black lesbian women could dance and strip for other predominantly Black lesbian women. And it was amazing. And side note, the documentary itself has had this kind of radical trajectory. It started out in the art world, which is how I got to see it. And then it just became the first non-adult film to be officially released on Pornhub. Wow! And now it's streaming on the Criterion channel. Which is pretty cool.
0: Just a classic Hollywood success story.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to tell us about how Shakedown sort of came to be and what happened to it, right? Yes. And so please, Parker, take it away. Okay,
2: so. The filmmaker who made Shakedown is named Leela Weinrob.
4: I guess I was introduced to Shakedown in a very magical, easy way, where somebody handed me a flyer. On one side, there was a girl in a cap and gown, like, from UCLA. And then on the back, is was all, like, dancers and thongs, but just, like, a row of butts. I had never seen anything like that before.
2: And then I went. Shakedown was different from the other LA lesbian club nights at the time. It was much raunchier and served more hip-hop aesthetic. It was a space that loved everyone that walked in its doors, Black lesbian, bi, and trans people. From the first night, Lila knew she wanted to document it.
4: I loved it there. It was, like, younger, darker, faster. It was more sexual. The shows were more, like, you could do whatever you wanted. You could kind of, like, also be whoever you wanted.
2: Shakedown was in the tradition of Black lesbian show nights.
4: This culture was really popular in the South, you know, like in Houston and Atlanta. And like Shakedown and like the Southern clubs were like really about like a high femme female persona.
2: And there was nothing like that in LA at the time until a young woman was offered a chance to build her dream.
3: My name is Sharon, Sharon Harris, and I, I go by Ronnie D. Ron. I am the CEO, the creator of Shakedown Productions, Shakedown Entertainment. Exclusive.
2: Ronnie was pretty new to the whole gay club scene when one night at the other Black gay club in town called Jules Catch One, she entered a pageant called Mr. Catch One, where butch performers competed in their best suits. And Ronnie got to lip sync the 90s R&B song, Where Do You Want Me To Put It?
3: And I won. Would
2: well, You get like a sash? They give you a
3: sash. They give you a trophy. They give you a crown. Um. Your responsibilities after that is they give you a show to host. You know, I was used to public speaking because as a Jehovah Witness, I, you know, walked to people's doorsteps and talked to them about the Bible. So when she said I had to host a show, I, I said, okay. And it was a strip show. I said, great.
2: For the next six months, Ronnie emceed a strip show at The Catch. Then, one night, an owner of another club was in the audience he saw that Ronnie had the personality to draw crowds and offered her her very own recurring night at his club, Club Horizon. She could choose the music, the lights, the dancers. It was all hers. So from then on, every Friday night, Club Horizon was Ronnie D. Ron's shakedown. So I'm a girl coming to the club. What would I see?
3: You're going to say, dang, this is, this is definitely in the hood. That's the first thing you're going to say when you drive up. Let me roll my windows up, let me lock my car, let me turn on my alarm. I you seen a line outside. So obviously, you know, it must be cracking. So you stand in the line, you see all walks of life. You see a little bit of everybody, you know, mostly African-American, but big, small, you know, stud, fems. And then as soon as you hit that door, there was the music.
2: It was a dark labyrinth of people and food and booze and the whiff of weed from the back. The crowds could just be.
3: And that was another thing about Shakedown, man. We had some DJs, and that music would be loud. Because again, you know, we had it our way. It was loud, and to the right was the bar. And you know, Pops had them $5 drinks back then. You got everybody on the dance floor. There you go with the DJ spinning, and I'm on the mic.
4: There was, like, all different kind of girls that danced there. There was other clubs in West Hollywood, and you had to have kind of, like, a more, like, skinny, West Hollywood, light skin kind of look. And Shakedown wasn't like that at all. They were ahead of the time. Who would be, like,
2: the main ones that performed?
3: I, Dallas, Slow Wine, Mocha. Oh, man, we did it. It Then they start coming. The list goes on, and you got the Poison, and... Egypt. Egypt was like a madam. You know, she was, she was, she was there from jump. Egypt is a bad bitch.
5: My name is Egypt and I am from Los Angeles, California. Somebody told me about a place called Shakedown. And I'm like, Shakedown? They was like, yeah, but girl, it's dirty in there and it's hood and it's in the ghetto and all this kind of stuff. And they forgot I'm from the ghetto. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm like, let's go. And they like all the fine girls be there. In
4: the space of shakedown, Egypt is in charge. You consent to her space, and she also, like, teaches you how she would like to be treated in that space.
5: It was always me building, building the tension you know, and bringing the tease to the audience before I really went there. People say, Egypt, why you do that? I'm like, you know why? Because I'm not gonna move until I felt you You took me in. Girl, girl, they pussy be hot, they be hard. They be like screaming. Girl, I done had panties thrown at me. I thought I was no addition.
2: Egypt's been a dancer her whole life. She started out as a church praise dancer, was a pageant queen, a raiderette, and for 13 years was a dancer at Disneyland.
5: When I was at Disneyland, I was introduced to a lot of the whiter strip clubs by some of the gay boys
2: that hung out because they were already doing the drag shows. Egypt would go with these friends to gay clubs and began to frequent them more and more.
5: And girl, I start saying, boys dance on boys, right? (laughs) which I was used to because I used to hang out with my friends at Disneyland, but i never seen in a lot of girl-on-girls. And a girl came up to me and asked me to dance, and I remember running back to the back like, oh, no, I'm Strictly Diggly. But it turns out, strictly was a strong word. It was a big night where a big fight broke out, and they used to fight a lot at that club, and... Um, I end up jumping in because it was my friend who was fighting, and it was some girls, and it was a whole lot going on. And what's crazy is one of the girls I end up fighting. It was a girl I end up dating.
2: So Egypt got a girlfriend, but that wasn't the only thing that changed for her. At a lesbian night at the club, one of the dancers didn't show up. So she gets asked, Do you want
5: to dance? I was like, yeah, girl, she gave me that costume, and it was on and cracking. It was just me and her dancing, like, strip twerking and all that kind of stuff, you know, for money. And um, she was the one who taught me how to do, like, all these tricks, like pulling beads out from between my legs. And can I be nasty out here? Or do I got, is this a fact? Sure, fem-? go
2: ahead. Okay. <laughs> also, you don't have to censor yourself. This is, we're fine.
5: Okay, so, you know, teaching me how to stuff pearls in my pussy and pull them out the whole You know, and she'll pull them out
2: with her mouth. And it was just a whole lot of stuff like that. In the clubs, Egypt became known for her hard, fast, crunk-style dancing as one of the best dancers around. So, of course, she ends up at Shakedown.
5: When I got into Shakedown, I knew who I was. I was comfortable with being a lesbian. We could be free there. We didn't have to worry about explaining our lifestyles to nobody. We didn't have to worry about being afraid that someone was going to attack us because this was our scene.
2: When did you realize that Shakedown was becoming a presence and that it was like it was getting popular?
3: After the first night. Yeah. After, you know, because we counted 75 people was the very first night. Before you know it, that second night we had 300 people.
0: Oh my god.
2: Everybody came to shake down. Folks from the neighborhood, baby gays who bribed their way past the bouncer with a couple of bucks, the occasional celebrity, and each Friday night was a different theme. Gangsters, Angels, The Matrix.
4: My favorite, it's called Pride Prom. And on the flyer it says like if you missed yours, don't miss this one don't be late and please don't hate. And it was just like so sweet, such a sweet idea. And like so tender and like knowing that like there was just a lot of people that like could not go to their proms. It's kind of just like a healing space where you can like redo a memory from high school.
2: Shakedown ran every Friday for eight years. The ladies were living their best lives. It was a black lesbian utopia. But as Shakedown got more successful, there were some issues.
1: That's after the
0: break.
1: And we're back.
0: So, Parker, you've been telling us about this lesbian black strip club utopia shakedown. Um, But you also hinted that at a certain point there started to be issues. Uh, What's going on? What are the issues?
2: Well, the bigger shakedown got... The more stuff Ronnie and her business partner, Teresa, had to deal with.
3: It was a fight every week. I was breaking them up. Security was breaking them up. Sometimes Teresa would have to shut the door at the front door to break it up. You know, it it was going down. But after the fight, we go right back into our scene, partying. Oh, yeah. Were you ever scared? Never. Because regardless to whatever, um, I always knew that we had the armor of God over us, even though we were partying.
5: They talked about it was ghetto, and it was dirty, and it was this, and you know what? It was. But it was our ghetto.
3: Can you show some love for the queen out there? It don't cost, it don't cost, it don't cost crack.
2: Were there any problems that you didn't anticipate while you were building Shakedown? A lot.
3: Because, I mean, if you can imagine, I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, and I just got Introduced to this gay scene, I'm head over heels excited, not thinking about the business aspect of it. So, you know, I'm bumping into like problems like, uh oh, you know, I'm forgetting that. What about taxes? What about I gotta protect my name? Somebody might. I didn't think about none of that until maybe five or six years into it, you know. So, five or six years. Yeah, you know, because
2: I'm, I'm not thinking none of that. The I'm telling you, be ready.
3: Because these motherfuckers there was a
4: moment in there where everything was happening and alive, when there was a complete system that was working. And that was definitely
3: disrupted.
2: How could you tell that it was the beginning of the end for Shakedown? I knew
3: when the police kept coming and, you know, they were bothering us about the capacity and the dancers... Our next performer coming to the stage right now, right now, right now. Let's get those props up, I'm waiting on you. This is the wild side of Shakedown. She's special guest performance. Then
2: the real problem Shakedown faced was the cops.
3: Remember, we're sponsored by another other than LAPD and this bitch, so watch yourself.
2: Shakedown wasn't actually sponsored by the LAPD, but since the beginning, they were always kind of around. And a few years into Shakedown, they started giving out fines. Under the guise of the place being overcrowded or underage teens sneaking in. They even arrested some of the dancers for solicitation because the raunchiness in front of all that cash could be interpreted as a lewd act. The crowd was not having it. There's a moment in tape when a dancer is being arrested and there's someone yelling at the police, saying, like, that's fucked up. Is that you? Mm-hmm. What was happening in that moment? Um,
4: I had to remember to turn the camera back on and just keep rolling, you know? Jasmine was someone that I was, like, interviewing already. I was like, she's amazing, beautiful, wonderful, special person. And to see her handcuffed, topless... It was insane. Now
3: what's going on? The girls were cleaning up in here. Today. We do apologize. Of course, y'all don't know what the problem is. We do apologize. The problem is, the cops are here, and they're doing whatever they're doing. So we all have to shut out
5: of Thank you. Well, the beginning of the end for me is when I was arrested. We were doing the Caribbean nights, and I was doing the Belizean representation. Now, in the documentary, you didn't see. You saw Jasmine get arrested. If you notice, if you watch, I looked, and I had my panties down, and I was on top of somebody. And I looked to the right, and I pulled them up. And if you notice, I was about to walk, and I did a U-turn, and I went to the back, and you see the police follow me. I was scared. Now, mind you, I've been arrested before, but not for uh, prostitution. (laughs) Why, why the police was actually there was because there was someone there who parent didn't agree with them being gay and they were young and they were sneaking to the club and somebody told on them and the parent was calling on her child because the police always hung out in here. You know, the police always came to the club out of their uniforms. So it's not like they didn't know. And even when those times we got arrested, they watched the whole damn show.
4: So, like, when the police came, like, I was like, oh, I feel like everybody's going to protest now and the neighborhood's going to get involved. And, like, people from San Francisco are going to come and be like, not this club. Like, we're protecting it and, like, stay away from our space. And I just, like, was, had the narrative from a liberal arts college that that's what was supposed to happen next. But in reality, it's like you want to get away from the police. We just need to pack up and get the fuck out of here before something even worse happens before a more violent situation with the police happens.
5: Right then is where I got nervous because I have children. And I honestly, and I tell this to Ryan all the time so she won't think nothing of it. I just felt I wasn't protected because I was like, you know what? You guys are going to keep on going with this, with the with the uh, show at all costs. And my life can't be at your cost. It was my time. Time was up, and I I wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have left if that wouldn't have happened.
2: Here's a scene from the film. It's 2004. Ronnie and Leela are talking on the phone. Well, this will be our
4: last Friday. The last Friday? Yeah. Ever at the Horizon? Yeah. Did the police, like, they're through, they shut it down? It's
2: over? No, it's just, it's best for us to move on. Because there's going to be no peace in that place. But we're going to go higher. We're going to take it to another level. What was that last night for you at Club Horizon?
3: You know, I was sad, but I had to really put on the the CEO face and say, you know, we got to we just going to keep going. Inside, I was hurt. It's like how you deal with grief
4: all the things like it's really happening it's really like this is really the end i think there was a general
3: denial it was a sad night because we were there so long and we were just family you know me and teresa had decided no we're 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 gonna keep going and we're you know gonna keep looking for buildings because we have our crowd this is not the end it's the end the horizon for shakedown but this is not the end of shakedown
2: Ronnie still hosts show nights every few months in different spaces around Los Angeles.
4: Shakedown probably will always go on. It's Ronnie's project. Like, it never has to end, but the intimacy that was created there isn't anymore. It's only happened in that time.
2: Shakedown the Club Horizon has been closed for almost 16 years now. These days, Egypt is a social worker advocating for people with HIV AIDS and overseas shelters for people experiencing homelessness on Skid Row in L.A. She's also an in-demand burlesque dancer traveling around the world.
5: I have had teenage girls tell me that their mothers uh, <laughs> were fans of mine or used to come to the club and see me perform. I have had young ladies come to me and tell me they had posters of me and literally got in trouble for stealing their mother's posters and putting it under their beds, you know. And when they got old enough, they came looking for me. And here I is. No, here I am. (laughs) I have my babies. I have my two kids. Um, I have an adopted daughter. And I have a stepdaughter. And my oldest daughter have her kids, which I'm still trying to get used to saying I'm a ya-ya down. <laughs> I can't do the grandma and g and all that that's not sitting with me because I'm still in the world acting a fool. So
2: ya-ya fits. What would you like Shakedown's legacy to be? Shakedown was a home for a lot
5: of us lesbian women who didn't really have a home in that lifestyle. You know, um, it groomed us to be the women that we are today.
4: People watch the film and they're like, oh, I want to go there. It's like, you have to make that, actually. It's each generation's job to figure out their utopia and their fantasy and make it.
3: I wanted to be that we were known we were known
0: That's our show.
1: If you're interested in seeing the documentary about Shakedown, go to shakedown.film. Special thanks this week to Tracy Hunt. Now, credits:
0: producers
1: Zakia Gibbons and B.A. Parker,
0: sound designer
1: Jeremy Bloom, editor Sarah Geis,
0: executive producer
1: Susie Lechtenberg. I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Tu,
0: and Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. I have a hunch that everything will end up on Pornhub one day. Like, that is how we will watch everything.
2: I mean, that's how I watched Hamilton.